What the hell is this? A podcast. We've been doing it for a couple years now. Hello and welcome to the Magic Wings Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series Winks Club. I'm Brendan, Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Today we are watching Season 2, Episode 10, The Crypt of the Codex, which is a direct translation of the Italian title. The original Italian episode aired May 19th of 2005. The 4Kids dub title is Raging for the Sky, see what they did there, and it aired on November 12th of 2005. Which is not your birthday. No, it is no longer my birthday. And speaking of, hi Club Kids, it's been a hot minute, we're sorry, <laughs> but life, exi- life exists, life happens. Uh, yeah, fun fact, the last episode was actually recorded in December. But uh, we're going to try and do our best to keep things chugging along while my work is in the slow season. So. And I'm trying to find a new job. Let's get cooking. Before we begin, just want to let you know that if you like what you hear, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at MagicWinksPod. And you can email us at magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com. That is the name of this podcast, at gmail.com. And we are available pretty much wherever you find podcasts. All right. So our episode opens at Red Fountain with Sky, who is on a phone call with Bloom. Bloom is singing Avalon's praises and explaining how he helped her last episode, and Sky is clearly checked out of the conversation as he gets on an elevator. Bloom clocks that he's only giving her vague yeah and uh-huh answers, and when she asks if he's listening, he lays into her about only ever talking about herself and Avalon and never asking about him and how he's doing, which is a valid complaint. They have an argument about this, of course, where he also brings up that Avalon feels weirdly fixated on her, giving her extra help and not seeming to offer it to anybody else. Bloom doesn't want to hear that she's being a bad partner, even though she is, so when she sarcastically asks Skye to hang up the phone, he does just that, which seems to surprise her because she's 16 and her brain doesn't fully understand consequences yet. Uh, Sky then gets stuck on the elevator, which is Brendan's biggest nightmare, and Bloom chucks her phone across Alfia's courtyard in frustration. Uh, it doesn't break because it's a Nokia, and Flora is conveniently nearby to pick it up as Bloom rushes off, depressed. Now, in the Four Kids dub, I didn't get to watch the whole Four Kids episode, but I did get to watch this scene, and... It was weird. It's kind of the comedy of errors where the way that you are asking somebody something, it's how you ask, not what you're asking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a a difference between, hey, I need to talk to you, and we need to talk. Exactly. Sky just wants to have a conversation with Bloom in person, likely about the state of their relationship. But he's being incredibly ominous about it. And so she's like, 
dude, just if you need to say something, just tell me. And he keeps going, no, I want to talk in person. Is this about Diaspro? No, it's not about Diaspro. I thought you said you were over with Diaspro. Yes, it's done with. I'm not engaged to her anymore. Just, you know, miscommunication. Which is my drag name, by the way. I knew that was going to come. I knew that was happening. <laughs> Basically, this episode's on to a buck wild start. So, after Bloom rushes off, we have some brief pixie pet shenanigans. Uh, the more I look at the pixie pets, and based on a comment somebody made when I posted a picture, like a screenshot from the scene in a Discord server, these things have very big Neopets energy. They do. They really do. Like, they're not Pokemon. They're close, but they're not Pokemon. They're Neopets. This little crab has a crown. The crab is my favorite. <laughs> I love this crab. The crab is me. <laughs> I could, uh, this crab could murder somebody and I would vouch for it. Uh, I would do anything this crab needed me to. Uh, this crab is also currently consorting with some kind of awful, like, earless cat with needle toes. Like, its uh, feet yes. don't end in feet. Like, its legs don't end in feet. It ends in points. Like, it, it's it's like a Sneasel, but a really screwed up one. So Hisui and Sneasel? You be nice to Hisui Sneasel. So Sneasler? You be even nicer to Sneasler. So, uh, this pixie pet does some karate moves at the, at the Sneasel. Sneasel isn't impressed and walks away. And off-screen, uh, Musa yells at Stella to hurry so they won't be late for self-defense class. Which does not mean what you think it means. I was like, oh crap, these girls gonna learn Krav Maga. No. Nope. No, not quite. Um, Stella charges up the door. She's really excited because she is hoping that the professor for this class is another cute guy because Stella has crystallized her personality to be the uh, boy-crazy one. Stella's big horny all the time. And you know what? I appreciate that about her. It's valid. <laughs> Unfortunately, Stella's mood is ruined because uh, the professor is not an attractive man. Uh, the professor is Griselda, who promptly yells at them for being late and tells them to take a seat. Um, in four kids... It's a, um, cooking lecture with a famous chef. But, nope, that's been rescheduled. So what's Griselda doing there in the 4Kids dub? The same thing. I'll bring it up a little later because there's a story behind this. Huh. Well, not story, but, like, Griselda has lore in 4Kids. Uh. Lore kids. Griselda lore. What does not like Zelda lore? It's grittier. It's grittier. It's... <laughs> oh no, not gritty. Um, <laughs> when we say it's grittier, we mean there's an orange uh, orange mascot that's going to bust through and like River City Rampage through Alfia. So we have a, a scene transition here, which I'm going to be the one to cover because it's a, it's, it's a pretty short cutaway that ends up not really... It confuses me in the long run. So, there's a cutaway to Shadowhaunt, where Darkar informs that uh, informs the tricks that Red Fountain is not on the defensive right now, 
uh, and which I took to mean that one student got caught in the elevator, so every single person in the school has to focus on fixing that. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It is Sky. That's true. He is important. We can't have him sitting in an elevator for an hour while, like, they call the fire department. Uh, because the whole school's going to focus on the fact that uh, the prince of a very politically unstable planet is caught in a tiny space, uh, it is an ideal time for the tricks to steal Red Fountain's codex. It's very well known that Sky is claustrophobic. Laugh, damn you. Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> Stop it, Patrick, you're scaring him! And then I see... Uh, Gives the, pardon the pun, bone-chilling promise that they will eliminate whoever gets in their way. And then the tricks fly off to do Darkar's bidding. Um, in four kids, it's weirder. Um, basically before they fly off, Icy's like, And when I get the codex, you're going to make me your main witch, right? And he's like, just go get it and then go laugh and fly off. And I'm like, what? Oh, so Icy's horny. Icy's very horny for Spine Man. Uh, this is a repeating element of Icy's character. She is horny for Satan. Several. I mean! <laughs> several different types of Satan, too. Because there's multiple of those in this franchise. <laughs> multiple Satans. Why was that to the tune of Where Are You Christmas? <laughs> Multiple Satans. <laughs> I see is horny. <laughs> Cindy Lou, who? Um <laughs> Okay. Back um, at <laughs> If you're if you are evil, wield an immense amount of power and are mask presenting, Icy is all about you. Back at Althea, we resume magical self-defense training where Griselda teaches the girls to dodge, dip, dive, duck, and dodge. Enemy spells. Uh, Stella remarks that this is a pretty obvious thing to do, and Griselda responds by telling Stella to try and hit her with a spell if she's so smart. So this doesn't seem to line up to me. It feels like this should be the other way around. It feels like if Stella is bragging that anyone can dodge a spell, shouldn't shouldn't Griselda be like, okay, well, I'm going to, let's go out in the yard, I'll fire some spells at you, and we'll see how well you dodge. Because it's not the best idea for an adult to pick a fight with a child. <laughs> is it a fight if that's what this class is about? I'm not sure. What I do know is that in four kids... Griselda says that she has competed in, like, the multi-realm games in, in what's called magical martial arts, and she is the first female black belt to do so. And then Muse equips in, like, how long ago was that? And she was like, 20 years. How old is Griselda? Um, I, it is best not to think about it. Okay. So Zelda, Griselda is an MMA fighter. Does that mean that under that, like, school marm dress, Griselda is, like, super inked up and buff? <laughs> she's just wearing a gi under there at all times. Like, she's just gonna, like, like the school's gonna come under attack again, and she's just gonna flex and the sleeves pop off. And she's just, like, a Saiyan. 
She has a f- sick back tat. <laughs> it's of the <laughs> it's of the dragon flame. It says Great Dragon 316. <laughs> and she has a bow staff. This is perfect. <laughs> Zelda 316 says I just kicked your ass. Boss. Make room for the great dragon. Funk. Funk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Son Goku's staff does telescope. That's perfect. Yes. Anyhow, I'm t- I've distracted you far enough. Griselda, fairy of kicking your ass. Anyway, we move out into the courtyard where Stella mutters under her breath about how she deserves more respect than this, despite the fact that, you know, Griselda is a teacher, and tries to hit Griselda with a sunbolt. By the way, all of the fairies are transformed, and we get Clown Girl again. Yes, Clown Fairy. Um, That is Francine. Or Francis, I'm sorry. Francine is somebody different. Which is confusing. Zelly's an abjuration wizard, apparently. Yeah, she can turn Stella's spells right back at her, and then she directs the rest of this class to try and attack as well. Um, so earlier in the, earlier, like, in the room, Muse is like, well, we'll all combine our powers, and then Griselda's like, no, you're already dead now. Why don't they just attack her all at <laughs> once instead of nicely in a line? And Griselda, Griselda turns to her and the lighting goes dramatic and like she looks down the bridge of her nose and her glasses do that anime thing where they're solid white and she goes, Omae wa mo shinderu. And then Farragonda comes out like, Griselda, you really need to stop murdering our students. (laughs) Anyway, none of their spells hit, so she's clearly got the skills to go with the attitude, but turns out to be a crappy teacher. Uh, when Techna asks her how she did it, she snaps at Techna for not raising her hand, and then tells the class to, that she wants them to think about what they've learned and save their questions for next class. You didn't teach anything. So that night, Bloom can't sleep because she's too busy having teen relationship problems, which is uh, unfortunately the axis upon which this version of the show turns. Fate, the Wink Saga also kind of does it, but like their relationship drama is way higher stakes. Uh, and they're also allowed to say fuss. <laughs> Let the fairies swear. Oh, you do. Cool. So Bloom vents to Flora about her argument with Skye and how Skye doesn't like Avalon, even though he's really helpful to Bloom. And Flora wonders if Skye is jealous. Which, okay. He's being framed as being jealous of Avalon. That's kind of what the show is trying to tell us is happening here. But I read this mood as kind of a more justified suspicion, especially with everything he pointed out like earlier in the phone call being completely valid. Right. Avalon is shady, showed up out of nowhere, and is monopolizing Bloom's life to the point that she only ever talks about Avalon and how great he is. Which isn't weird because, you know, she's like 16 and like kind of infatuated with him. But the vibe is still weird. And even without Avalon in play, Bloom is only talking about the things that she is interested in and she is doing. And doesn't seem to engage with Sky during conversations. I realize that I'm playing an armchair relationship therapist, but I mean, this is this is the content you subscribe to. Also, I had to pad this because this scene is, like, really short. And just ends with Bloom, like, Bloom snuggles Kiko and Kiko doesn't seem to appreciate it. Also, Avalon is Satan. We know that, but they don't. 
in four kids, um, sorry, I didn't really take a lot of four kids notes because it wasn't really interesting. <laughs> if, if I remember correctly, which I'm probably not, <laughs> it's basically Bloom and Flora talking about how Bloom's gonna dump Sky. Does Bloom or think? Does Bloom think the like he wants to have a big relationship talk and he's going to dump her, so she wants to dump him first? Kind of deal. Yeah. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Um. There's another thing later on when they're going to Red Fountain, but the next day at Red Fountain. <laughs> Speaking of. Speaking uh, of, that's our next set piece. The next day at Red Fountain, the Tricks combine their powers to start cooking up some big trouble, while Skye tries to call Bloom, only to be turned away by a voicemail spell that won't let him specifically leave a message. It literally says, Bloom can't answer the phone, and it's an automated voice, which is weird. Thank, you for, calling it... Bloom's... <laughs> Thank you for calling Bloom's phone. Leave a message after the beep, unless you're Skye. And then it cuts the call off, because it's Sky's number. Um, in Four Kids, it's just a fun, like, friend voicemail. Like, hey, this is Bloom's phone. And then Stella pops in, Princess of Sparks. And then Muse is like, and Earth. Leave a message. That's cute. And then Sky is just like, hey, Bloom, just calling us. Make sure that you're coming over tomorrow. Bye. Mm -hmm. uh, he starts to rant to Brandon about how selfish Bloom is being as he walks onto the balcony of their dorm room. And as he does, we get a look at what the tricks have made. A ball of dark magic surrounded by floating occult glyphs that shoot lightning. The bad ball trademark starts blasting the school and Sky pages Coda Torta. To let him know the school's under attack. So when I pause to take notes here, um, I caught a look at the symbols that were on this ball. And, like, they're animated to actually be, like, spinning around. Like, they're constantly moving across its surface. And I recognized it. And I went, hmm, I know that from somewhere. But where do I know it from? The, the spinning ball is covered in letters from the alphabet of the magi which is a 17th century occultist uh like not really language so much as like it's an alternate set of letters for the hebrew alphabet because christian mystics used hebrew writing in a lot of the uh occult texts and talismans they would make so somebody, huh. like some animator, like the animation director maybe, really knew what they were doing. Like that is such a specific pull that's really hard to know. Like it's not common knowledge. Like I had to like go through a few like occult writing systems before I got to the right one. Because I knew I'd seen it, but I didn't know which one it was right away. Interesting. Isn't that cool? I was just going to quip in with, in four kids, um, the uh, bad ball is called a misery orb. <laughs> I like a misery orb. <laughs> oh, and in four kids, uh, when Brent 
when Sky goes to walk out onto the balcony, he's going to go practice what he's going to say to Bloom, which is, Bloom, I want you to be my girlfriend. So oh, he wants it's to apparent- go steady. It's a going steady thing. It's kind of cute. And then the bad ball decides to attack them. <laughs> One last thing. Um, in four kids, there is an alert system, which is red alert. Red fountain is under attack. All students to their stations, like something like that. <laughs> There's not just like a big button in their dorm room that they can like slam and break the glass. And it starts going, auga. 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 <laughs> anyway, down in the woods around Red Fountain, Bloom has decided she's going to have a face-to-face conversation with Sky about their relationship, and she's brought Techna and Flora for moral support. She laments how easy Techna's relationship with Timmy is since they never seem to argue, and says something about Sky. I could not understand what she was saying. Like, I heard the words... And I understood that they were words in the English language, but I did not know what she was trying to say. Does that make sense? Before Flora points at the bad ball, bouncing all Bover bread fountain and making <laughs> explosions happen. I didn't know if you did that on purpose or not. I'm going to be real with you, Skippy. I did. She comes to the correct conclusion that the tricks must be involved, and the three girls start running to Red Fountain to help. Um, not quite running, but more like shrink into the foreground and make an attempt to look like they were getting closer to Red Fountain. Well, as you know, all Pokemon have the inherent ability to shrink down. I love that that has been, like, official lore since, like, Pokemon started, but this is the first game that's actually said anything about it, and everyone in the West was like, I'm sorry, what? This is what happens when you don't localize some lore. So inside Red Fountain, we are treated to a full sci-fi movie vehicle launch sequence. Like, this is this is like when they send the Zords and Power Rangers. This was really cool. It did. It was very cool. It was very visually impressive. So they send out these, like, little starfighter ships, uh, presumably to fire a torpedo down the one exhaust port in the bad ball that leads directly to the engine. Boo. I am allowed one Star Wars joke. <laughs> I I don't even like Star Wars that much, but this is very much a Death Star thing. <laughs> uh, Timmy and Corda Torta are mission control for this, and they're the only two people in the control room, which can't go that that can't that can't work out poorly ever. Uh, Riven bursts in the room and has uh, something meaningful to contribute for once because he recognizes that this is Darcy's magic. At least, you know, Good. a third of the way Darcy's magic. Good job, Riven. Points for you. And uh, Coda Torta recognizes kind of right away that, oh, the tricks must be here for the Codex. And here's where I would like to point out. I do a little, a little bit later, but I would like to point it out now. At no point have we been explained to, like, at no point has it been explained what the Codex is why the tricks want it, why Darkhar wants it, and why Red Fountain has it. Um, it looks like a football. It does. Oh, it looks like an American football. It does. I but know we have some international listeners. Hello. Darkhar needs it so that he can slam it down at the 50-yard line and do a funny little dance. 
No. The 50-yard line is in the middle of the field. <laughs> well, Dark is really bad at football. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> power of Satan on your side, you can make up your own rules. <laughs> also, weren't the tricks supposed to do this whole thing like yesterday when Sky was stuck in an elevator? I don't know. This might be the same day. No, it's it, it's not the same day because that scene before... Because and- Bloom went to sleep. Oh my... When the hell are we? Exactly. The tricks took uh, one whole day to fly to Red Fountain. They decided to walk. They got some. They got show up fifteen minutes late with Starbucks. They they traveled at the speed of plot to get here. Ah. Uh, Coda Torta orders a senior guard to the Codex room in the first years to defend access to the lower levels of the tower. And by that I mean get on your dragons and circle the perimeter. Uh, the seer stops attacking, and so the fighter jets are told to monitor the lake in case the tricks decide to I don't know scuba their way in <laughs> cuz they would have to swim up one of the waterfalls I mean it happened in Pokémon the 3rd movie I did just imagine Icy with like Darcy and Stormy roped to her waist like that <laughs> episode of the original anime that's just the Poseidon adventure Oh no where the boat's upside down at the bottom of the sea. There's a hole at the bottom of the sea. You know, the episode that leads into Island of the Giant Pokemon. I have that I have that on VHS somewhere. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Healy is here now. And he, yeah. And he uh, escorts Bloom, Flora, and Tecna into the room. And they offer to help, but Kota Torta says that they've got it covered. And honestly, if it weren't the tricks, I would believe him. This is a very coordinated response that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. In Four Kids, uh, Helia, again, just shows up out of goddamn nowhere. And is like, Coda Torta, Bloom, Flora, and Tecna are here. They want to help. Thanks. Also, in both, vo- in both dubs, Coda Torta's voice is weird today. I don't know what you're talking about, Lassie. Um, unfortunately, everyone forgot that the tricks can f***ing fly, and Stormy and Icy bust down the roof to infiltrate the school. Bloom comes to the realization that th- now is not the time to be having a tiff with her boyfriend, and Kota Torta o- orders the three winks, Helia, and Riven to use any means necessary to stop them. Tekna tries to bring Timmy along, but he's busy being Alpha 5, so he can't join in. In a startling display of strategy, Stormily... Her full name. Her full name, Stormily. <laughs> Stormily Jenkins. In a startling display of strategy, Stormy uses lightning to break the elevator doors and strand the specialists who were to serve as backup. So it's up to a bunch of main characters to save the day. Huh. It's almost like having one way in, one way out of a fucking <laughs> tower is a bad thing. Yeah, there's... The thing is, the elevator doors are just broken on this floor. There's nothing stopping them from, like, going up a level and finding some stairs. Basically, this is a choke point, and I don't like it. It's 
This is a fire safety hazard. Especially since this whole thing flies. Icy also displays some continuity by remembering where the Codex Chamber is from the last time she was at Red Fountain. As the Winks and Specialists run through the courtyard, Riven spots the tricks and takes off after them with a character of the day. I believe his name was Spencer. Yeah, the there, was, swat- there was like one generic NPC left. But the tricks swat them aside like flies and take off for one of the hangars. Sky calls Brandon over his communicator and calls for backup. In said hangar, uh, the tricks are about to bust open a door to get in, like, to this deeper level of the school. They went a really roundabout way to get here, too. Like, they were in the school. Like, they went in through the arena. Like, they broke open the roof of the arena, came in that way. Flew through the hallways, popped out into the quad, and then flew off the side of the tower and further down to one of the hangar doors. Um, real quick, uh, I forgot to bring this up. At some point, during, at some point when Sky's running, someone does ask when Helia started, is like, is Helia a student here? And they're like, oh yeah, Saladin got him to transfer. That must have been so the four, four kids dubbed. <laughs> yeah, so four kids answered a question that Cinelum brought up. Yeah, because Healy is in a Red Fountain uniform now. Yeah, he looks damn good, by the way. Yeah, I love his character model. Attractive man. He has pretty hair. <laughs> and an even prettier heart. Uh, so, the tricks are in this hangar in front of, like, there's, like, two sets of hangar doors. One that, le- like, the one they're in front of that they're about to blast the way through. And Brandon zips into the open hangar door on his uh, starfighter. Uh, pulls out his sword. It's over, Icy. I have the high ground. <laughs> which is my second Star War of the day. But unfortunately, it's not over. And even with high ground, uh, Darcy sends Brandon to the Phantom Zone. Um, In four kids, Darcy... <laughs> And four kids, Brandon asks, Hey ladies, where are your hall passes? Brandon, now is not the time. I, I know you want to be clever, hon, but no. <laughs> yeah, Darcy, Darcy, like, surrounds him in, like, this bubble of darkness, and all we can see is his lightsaber flipping around. And then, like, she lets him out of it, but it, 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 like, it drained all of his energy, and he just, like, slumps to the floor. Uh, this is when Sky and the Winks bust in. And the girls transform, because, you know, they, they have to. It's a magical girl show, where we have to. <laughs> uh, Darcy and Icy leave Stormy to hold off the heroes. And Stormy, like, incapacitates Tecna with, like, one shot. Helia stays behind to take care of Tecna, so we're down to Sky, Bloom, and Flora, who take a shortcut to the Codex room by going down an elevator shaft. Like, Bloom and Flora fly, and Sky, like, it's actually kind of cool that Sky grabs the center elevator cable and just starts, like, rappelling down it. Huh. Uh, problem is, once they get to the bottom, Flora gets murked by Stormy. Yeah. Like, like it's another one shot. But Tecna is apparently fine now. Because she runs in. She rebooted. It's fine. And now it's Bloom, Sky, and Tecna to save the day. (laughs) Gotta roll bait and switch. 
so <laughs> the guards outside of the codex room, which it's not really certain if these are like students or faculty. I would assume faculty. Because they, they have full-on facial hair and weird hats. They have facial hair, helmets, and Dragon Ball Z scanners. Anyway, they get snowed on when Icy freezes the door to the antechamber solid, and the three tricks combine powers to freeze the gods solid. As Bloom, Sky, and Techno race down the hallway, the show realizes it's never really explained what the Codex is, why Dark Heart wants it, and why Red Fountain has a piece of it, but Sky breaks out that old standby of there being no time to explain when Techna asks, so stay on the edge of your seat, kids, and please stay subscribed. <laughs> Go say. Go say, why am I green? There is a very good explanation for that, Jake. <laughs> There's a scales-themed puzzle to access the codex room proper, kind of annoyed that it's not the Towers of Hanoi, but whatever. And Stormy gets zapped when she tries to brute-force her way past it. There's a small spattering of Chatskis in front of the scales, which Darcy deduces is the key to solving the puzzle. Good job! Yay! Class for Darcy. Also, the solution is clearly the feather of truth, uh, but I think that these two's hearts would outweigh the feather of Ma'at and their souls would get eaten by Amit and they can't move on to the afterlife. Damn it, Amit. I love you. <laughs> anyway, Sky interrupts with his boomerang before they can proceed with the puzzle and there's a brief back and forth between our heroes and the tricks, complete with a save from Timmy, but the tricks handily overpowered them with some assistance from their sweet new glue mix accessories. Buy our toys. The thing is, I don't think the... I guess I guess they would have been on their, their new dolls. Um, in 4Kids, um, the tricks have a non-aggression spell. And, um... They also put Sky to sleep for a hundred years, at least. At least. I, 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 so I see is so they're high enough level that together they can override that whole thing where he needs to prick his finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel. They threw the feather at him. That was a spinning wheel. <laughs> uh, anyway, once our heroes are incapacitated, Icy looks over the options to counterbalance the stone and succeeds a series of intelligence checks to figure out the solution. The stone represents the physical weight of Red Fountain, but the proper balance is the statuette that represents the weight of morality. Icy makes a pretty decent crack about the ends justifying the means, and places the statuette in the counterbalance, which levels the scales and unlocks the staircase to the codex. I want to shout out Icy's voice actress in the Sitaloom dub here. Because it's clear that in Italian, whatever Icy is saying, it's probably the same thing, but has m a lot more syllables to it. So she has to speak pretty quickly to deliver the same amount of information. And she does so in a way that makes it seem like she's genuinely doing like a rapid fire analysis of the situation. Because she's like, okay, so these each represent a different kind of strength. Okay, it could be the, like, and lists, like, what each one is, and she's like, 
Okay, so obviously this is the physical weight of Red Fountain, but what's the what's the counterpoint? Is it magic because Saladin's a wizard? No, too obvious. Swords ruled out too, because that would also be too obvious. So it must be the moral weight. And then she jokes about having to play by the rules. That's the um, ends justify the means thing. She doesn't want to play by the rules, but she will if it'll get her this. In four kids, um, the answer is that during Red Fountain's ceremonies, the teachers wear pompous-looking robes like this one, so that's their wisdom. And Icy makes a quip of, "Oh look, the thing that we- the thing that weighs the weight is pompacity." That's not awful. Like I've heard anyway. better, but it's not it's not terrible. It wasn't horrible. Uh, the tricks descend the stairs into the codex room, and despite the best efforts of its guardian pixie, who we have seen before, but has not been named, and we do not know that this is her job, because the show has been very bad about relaying information about this entire plot to us. <laughs> Uh, the tricks successfully claim what they call the first quarter of the codex. Uh, Timmy gets the drop on them. Like, he's got his laser pistol trained on them when they walk up the stairs. But he looks at Icy, looks at his looks at his sci-fi laser gun, and the fact that it's only, like, he and Tecna are the only ones still standing. And he kind of comes to the conclusion that they need, like, the the strategic thing in this case is they need to let the tricks win this one so that they can come out on top in the in the long run. Like, you have to lose this battle to win the war. Which, I'm actually going to applaud Timmy for that, because that's a very, like, sound strategic decision. It's very good, and Timmy made the right choice. Yeah, because he... He and Tekna could not stand up to all three of the tricks, especially when they're hopped up on their pact with the Dark Lord. If he attacked them now, they would retaliate and everybody would be dead. Uh, the, the problem is, this was all done via an internal monologue where he, like, weighs out his reasoning for this. And Tekna, who you would, um, you would think, like, season... The funny thing is, pre-character development Tecna probably would have come to this exact same conclusion. But unfortunately, because she's had character development, she got hit with a case of the emotional brain thinking and yells at Timmy for being a coward before she runs off. Tecna plus emotions equals weird character development. Yeah. It's a strange left turn for her to take. But... There's been, like, minor voiceover things this whole episode about how she already kind of thinks of Timmy as having cowardly tendencies or something like that. Like, she gets really proud of him when he stands up for himself. And, like, come on, Tech. There's there's a difference between, like, sound, like, logical strategic decisions and what amounts to suicide by which. <laughs> Um, so, now that, uh, they're out of combat, like, their initiative order has dropped, uh, so Bloom goes to check on Sky, 
who has like collapsed uh, because Icy like pegged him in the chest with a spell earlier. I presume in four kids, this is what she said. You will now sleep, sleep until you receive the kiss of true love. She just said platinum icicle, which I guess means the same thing. Uh, So Bloom tries to wake him up. That old, that old cliche. But of course, she can't wake him up because oopsie doodles, Flora (laughs) checks his pulse and Sky has failed all three of his death saves and he's gone. He did. The good news is it's been less than a minute. Uh, He's fine. And Bloom is in possession of a 300 GP diamond. So as she like sobs over his body, the power of the dragon flame fills her, reaches out to Sky and full on resurrects him. So keep that in the like keep that in your books, folks. Bloom literally has the power to restore the dead to life, presumably subject to the limits of the revivify spell, which means she can only do it if the body is complete and it's been under a minute. But still, she can do that. Bloom has the Silver Millennium Crystal. So, Bloom collapses because that took a lot of magic, but she did she did bring a man back to life today. Uh, so we're left on a very bittersweet ending. Sky is still alive. Like, Sky has been brought back from death. He and Bloom are presumably going to be on the up and up, even though she could theoretically hold over the fact that, hey, remember that time you died? And then you weren't dead anymore because of me. Uh, and win any fight in their relationship from now until forever. Real quick, um, in in Cinelum, I don't know what happened, but this line reading was very bizarre. It was like, no, Sky, you can't go away. I need you. Sky. Yeah. Bloom had about as much emotion as a can of soup was very flat the the thing about the Cinelume dub is by and large they are not good actors or at least they are not good voice actors they are being given adequate material to work with but i do not think they are being given the right tools to make use or like the right instructions to make use of the tools they're given does that make sense right yeah Meanwhile, in Four Kids, you have people who know exactly how to build something beautiful, but you've given them, like, Duplo blocks. And told them to build Notre Dame. You have Dan Green. You managed to rope Dan Green into this. Yeah, because after after his serious talk with Bloom, Sky needs to go uh, find uh, Pegasus and get his grandpa back. Just believe in the heart of the yeah. cards and the dragon flame. Yeah. Uh, but so even though Sky has been resurrected, the tricks won for now. So stay tuned to see what happens next time on Dragon Ball Z. Did it wait? Da 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 da. Winks Club. Da 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 da. Winks Club. Okay. So, we have to choose our best, worst, and MVP. I started this episode. So, no, wait. You did. No, you wait, did. Wait, no, I did. Yeah, <laughs> you did, so I go first. 
Uh, my best was the fact that the tricks won and they were really bad at Boss. doing it. Like, I was yeah, very was... thoroughly impressed with them this whole episode. The, the tricks are actually really good villains, you guys. When they have a party behind them. When they have a sponsor. They can do, they can do a great thing when they... <laughs> When they had that sweet, sweet NordVPN money. My best is gonna be a line from Four Kids <laughs> that I have absolutely no context to where it happened because I forgot to write that down. But someone, probably one of the tricks, definitely says, Whatever, we watch. That sounds like it might have actually come from one of the, the fairies. I'm... Oh my gosh. Uh, now I need a freaking... It was one. It was near the end. Come join the club. We are the weeks. Ha! Okay, it is Icy. Icy says it to Stormy and Darcy. Um, the context is Darcy's... A, Icy's about to get the pin of the codex. The little pixie does the little spell. And apparently it's a kindness spell. And Stormy's like, no, wait, this might actually be good for her. <laughs> and then I then Stormy's like, yeah, we're glad you're okay. And Icy's like, yeah, whatever, Weach. Are we gonna have a problem? <laughs> you got a bone to pick? Uh my worst is it's the it, it's unfortunate, but it is the fact that teen relationship drama is the fulcrum upon which Winx Club turns. Because it's not particularly entertaining. Maybe it's because, you know, it's that thing that the Gem Jam talked about where because it's a show for 8 to 11 year old girls, everybody has the emotional maturity of an 8 to 11 year old girl to be relatable. And so as a as a 28 year old gay man, I can't relate to this. <laughs> and therefore I find it boring. Meanwhile, on uh, Fate the Wink Saga... It's the exact same thing, but it's happening to attractive 30-year-olds pretending to be 16. So therefore, <laughs> I can relate to it. What's your worst? I'm the same thing. This is needlessly, needlessly required. Need Sorry, I'm also... James Stork is having a bond. Colin Amberlurse. Names John's having a strong call That's what it is. Maybe it's because they're hour-long episodes, but I think it's because Fate can balance the relationship drama with the ongoing plot in a way that doesn't feel so lopsided. Because we have to stretch this out into 26 episodes, that means we're going to have ones where it's like 90% relationship drama, 10% overarching plot. You know what I mean? Right. Anyhow, MVP. Uh, I'm going to give it to Icy. Because maybe specifically Icy's Cinelum voice actress. Because that whole sequence at the... Uh, like that D&D puzzle to get into the Codex basement. She looked at for three seconds. And she goes, okay, I see what's going on here. And it was really interesting because first they did, they were going to try the feather. Or at least Darcy was. And then it's like, oh wait, no, this nativity scene figure is going to work. 
<laughs> Don't use the feather of truth. Try one of the three wise men instead. <laughs> Try Joseph. And his amazing Technicolor dream coat. I don't know any songs from that musical, so that joke's gonna fall flat. Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. I know, I'm making a joke. Jokus and the Technicolor Jink. To finish things off, my MVP is gonna be Timmy. For, even though it was very hard, making the absolute best choice. That's very fair. Timmy's not a fighter. And even if he shoots one of the tricks, there's still two more. <laughs> and the first shot isn't even going to kill him. So he has two tricks and one angry tricks. I mean, angry is their default. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our episode today. Uh, please refer to the top for our social plugs. One, tr- two tricks and one aggro tricks. <laughs> Isn't that what they give you if you win Nickelodeon Guts? <laughs> okay, that one was good. <laughs> Once again, um, please leave us a rating or review if the podcast uh, app that you use to listen to us allows you to do so. And I I don't have any further thoughts other than whenever you're faced with a puzzle, like a a complicated looking puzzle for a very plot critical item, and you have that one player in your party who goes, why don't we just try and brute force it and see what happens? Just make them do it. It'll be funny. It'll be funny and they'll learn their lesson and maybe they'll have to roll a new character. Meeting adjourned. Apparently Mandy farted and then jumped because she scared herself. (laughs) Your dog's an idiot. I love her.